Welcome back to the Conf Lab, everyone. We're about to head into part two of Brooke Collis's story. And if you haven't listened to part one, I would say go back and listen to that one before you do listen to this one or watch this one. Um, this is where the story starts to really wind down into some pretty horrific stuff around cancer. I'm not going to give too much more of the story away or any more of the story away. I really want you guys to anchor into this story. And we really does do hope that this touches your heart. We hope that this brings information to people that's going to help them through their journeys of whatever you're battling with, whatever it is. It doesn't need to be necessarily cancer, but anything that's bringing trauma or any sort of pain to your life that you've got to battle with, we're hoping that this inspires you, that there's a way through things. There is definitely a way through things. And uh, this is where you'll learn what a tribe really is in this episode. So looking forward to bring this to you. And I'm going to finish right now and let's get into this episode. But before I get off, check your tits. Learn how to check your tits properly. Boys, learn how to check your missus tits. You never know where that'll end up, but it's so important. Check your tits. Okay. And I was up here. So I yell out the, to Crystal, the personal trainer and the nutritionist and the Zumba teacher and go, oh, Bob, look, I, I think I've pulled a muscle in my shoulder and can you massage it out for me? And she felt it and she just said, tried to like give it a bit of a massage and said, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to book you an appointment. So on Monday morning, I so, actually went to work. So that's a lump. Yeah, a lump. And it was high. So it was above it was your like breast. Here. Yeah, okay. Right? So, and obviously wetsuits are tight, so you sort of got to peel them off and and um, how was the surf that day? Oh, it was so good! <laughs> it was like amazing, and all, I had out all the little nieces and nephews, so everyone from oh. like eight to like you know babies, and Cruzy and Max were five, and they're just learning, and we're all catching waves. And because I'm Arnie Brooke, I get to drop in. So, um, yeah, we get another story about yeah, people yeah. dropping it on you later, which is yeah, really good. So we just had the best day, and I was healthy and had a great job, and. Obviously ate very healthy and mm. I'm not a drinker. I've never been a drinker. Life's looking great. Life's, life's really great. And then we, Crystal calls me. I go to work Monday morning and she calls me on the break to go, look, I've, I've booked you in. I've got you a doctor's appointment this afternoon. So I'm like, oh, okay, no worries. Too easy. I'll go. Thinking that, oh, he's going to tell me I need a massage or whatever. I go there and he feels it. And he just said straight away, oh, look, best thing to do is just go get an ultrasound. So I walk next door straight away and he goes, just go next door and see if they can, like, put you in. And they actually said, look, we can actually get you in tomorrow. We, we can't do it today, but we, we've got a cancellation. We'll put you in. So I go the next day, I get the ultrasounds, still know nothing. Like, no one's raising any alarm bells or looking at me differently or giving me any type of inclination. That, but they're not telling you anything running. either. They, and then we walk out and we sit down and they say, oh, look, you're going to need a biopsy. And I said, what's a biopsy? Uh, and they said, oh, look, a biopsy is just when we go into the lump and, and we just check it out. Um, and I'd had breasts that were lumpy before that like had that I'd always been told that they had cysts, that they were cysts. Um, two years earlier, I had had a mammogram, right? 34 years old demands to have a mammogram. Yeah, we were talking yeah, about this we pre. Were. So, yeah, so, us, this is important for people yeah. to really understand. So I I felt like when I felt my breasts, I, I suppose there's always in the back of your mind, not that I ever thought that it was cancer, but I, you've got this cancer thing with my dad, right, that yeah. sort of miggles over you. So um, 
I want to get a mammogram. So I walked into um, walked into my doctor and said, look, I want to get a mammogram. He sort of said, look, you don't really need a mammogram. They're, they're cysts and, and we've already checked them out, but we can get you a mammogram if you want. But because you're under that age of 40, you're, it, it's actually going to cost. And I said, I don't care what the cost is. I want to get a mammogram. So I walk in. And they tried to talk you out of. They tried to talk you yeah, out. Yeah, they did. Like they walked in and said, "Why are you spending three hundred and fifty dollars? Like to get a mammogram? Like yeah. you're thirty four. You've got no family history. You don't have the brachia gene. Like, why are you here? Like, why would you want?" And I said, "Oh, look, I just like I've been told I've got these. I keep feeling lumps and that they're cysts, and I just want to get a mammogram. Like, like, but it was like they they." Yeah, they just – it was like they were saying it is such a waste of money and you shouldn't be doing this. So, of course, I got the mammogram and it actually came back that I've just got cystic breasts. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, so I left it. And then after the biopsy, I went I, – I got – they said, look, we've already set up the appointment for you. I was like, what? And they said, yeah, well, you're going to go. We've got you in on Thursday. You're going to go to Tweed. There's this amazing lady that does it. We really want you to go to the, her because she specialises um, in taking biopsies from breasts. So I was like, okay, great. So I walked out, going to Crystal, these guys are amazing. They're like already got me this appointment. It's meant to take a couple of weeks. Um, and we go to that appointment and it was funny. Whilst I was in there and this is like the, I suppose, the true story that Crystal is, I'm, I'm in there, I'm getting this biopsy and she's not allowed in. And she sat next to this lady that um, that had explained to her that she'd had a melanoma and it had come back and she was in there to get a biopsy after me. And she had told Crystal her life story and she was a lot older than me. And Crystal just felt so empowered that she was there by herself that after I came out from my biopsy that Crystal said, we have to wait for this lady oh, to come out uh. because she's not getting a taxi home. We're going to drive her home. So... <sighs> Crystal's like, and I want to go get her flowers. And I was like, what? I was like, what? I only just met this She goes, now. yeah. And then she's like, come on, we're going to go get her flowers and we'll surprise her when she comes out and we're going to, like, drive her home because she's by herself. She's caught a taxi here. Uh-huh. All of her kids are away and I want to do this for her. And sure enough, I'm, like, walked out of this biopsy going, you know, what is this and and where are we at? Um and So they didn't give you results and they just took no, the biopsy? They so the lady after she drew it out. Um, had, can we can we finish the story about the lady with the flowers? Though? Yeah, so sure enough, we race and we're like trying to go find these flowers all around Tweed Heads and we end up finding these bunch of flowers. And by the time we got back, she had actually left, right? We said, look, we want to, this is what we want to do, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, oh, my God, you guys are so sweet. I'm going to call her. So the receptionist picked her up and said, are you very far away? No, like we're just around the corner. Can you please come back? There's like you've forgotten something that we need to give to you. Anyway, we're standing there like this with some flowers to go. And Crystal just said to her, it was such a pleasure to meet you and I hope your journey is okay and um, I hope that you like that you get better. Um, and we just wanted to give you these. And she was already in a taxi and, um, yeah, and she just, yeah, she just had the biggest smile on her face. But that's Crystal. Yeah. You know, like Crystal just wanted her to leave that such a scary place in such a crazy, scary state of mind that she just wanted. It's not hard to be kind, is it? Yeah. 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 Just wanted to. Beautiful act of kindness. Yeah. 
So, yeah, she, but that's who she is. And and the lady had, I remember the needle going in and looking at it, it's quite big, and she pulled it out and the needle's full of blood. And she said to me, I just want to let you know that you're going to need an operation. Yeah. And she she's not that, legally allowed to tell me anything, but she said, you're going to need an operation, but I want you to always remember, because I've been in the exact same spot that you're in now, is that don't ever, ever let it define you and you are the person that you are and don't, whatever your next journey is, don't let it define you. How, how did, what? so right then when she's saying this stuff to you, like up until then you're thinking, oh, they're amazing, they're getting me into the hospital quick, yeah. oh, they got to do a biopsy, check it out. You they're still probably going to be cis. Yeah, you still have, yeah, because two years yeah. earlier it was cystic breasts, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, how did you handle that information coming in? I was like, oh, am I in trouble? Yeah. Is that the, that's the first That was time. my first thought, going, oh, I might be in trouble here. Yeah. Like, yeah, this could be far more. And Crystal and I had done all this investigation stuff and we hadn't told anyone. We hadn't told my mum. We hadn't told my brother. So at that point, up to the biopsy, no one knew, knew yeah, yet. Yeah, I didn't want to bother anyone. Yep. I didn't want to put anyone into Especially if it's just. Yeah, to only tell them that, hey, it's a cyst. You're not cyst again. I just didn't want to put scare anyone, really. So yeah. let's just go through this. It'll be a cyst and, yeah. So, and I walked out. So you just and, received that information. Yeah, and Crystal's all about giving the lady the flowers, so I still hadn't told her anything. And then we got into bed that night and I said, oh, I just have to tell you something. This is what the lady said to me. And she's like, well, did you ask her what she meant by that? Like, what does she mean by that? And I said, no, I didn't. I just... Obviously, like, I'm I'm going to need, like, an operation to get, like, this removed. Still not even thinking the C word. Like, still not even thinking cancer, just thinking I could be in a bit of trouble. Um, the next day I was taking Max to Dreamworld. It was his, like, final day. I think we were, like, in some sort of holiday or long day period or whatever, and we'd had the best day at Dreamworld. We were, like, flying around everywhere, remembering that I hadn't had – any signs of like loss of, um, like I wasn't tired. No, no energy drain. No. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no signs whatsoever. And then we get this call from the doctor's surgery to go, Brooke, you need to come in here at four o'clock. I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm at Dreamworld right now and we're having the best day. So can I just do it tomorrow? Like, do you have another appointment tomorrow? You know, we've got nothing on. And she was like, Brooke, you've got to come in here at four o'clock. And I was like, yeah, but like I'm at Dreamworld. And then she's like, Brooke, just get in here. We'll see you when you come. So suddenly we're like, I'm like so angry, going, you're ruining our day at Dreamworld and all to go to the doctors to tell me that, you know, whatever. And I call up Crystal and I go, look, I'm, we're leaving Dreamworld now. I'm taking off my wetsuit in the car, putting on clothes and we'll meet you at the doctor's surgery at Palmy. And she was like, oh, okay, the results are already in. I said, yeah, they're already in. Mm. Let's get them over and done with. Um, and we so had Max. No alarm bells yet? Still no alarm bells. Probably like going there a bit like, oh, thank God I get to figure out get it what done. it is. Mm. Um, and we sat in there and, and the first thing he just said, look. So you had Max with you? We had Max with us. Right. He was like five. Wow. Um, we chucked some headphones on him. Okay. Um, just because he was a bit of a chatterbox, so we just wanted to keep him a bit entertained. And um, he he we sat in the room. And he just said, there's no easy way to tell you this, so I'm, you, your results have come back that you have breast cancer right. um, and it's really aggressive. It's throughout your whole left 
oh, right breast. It's and we believe it's spreading into your lymph nodes as well. Um, I've spent all day trying to find a surgeon that will see you. Um, that quick. Yeah. And so that's, kids, that's what the, I've been the doing lump all day. That, the lump that you saw was like that was like it a was week. Say, it was the size of a pea. And it was like a week and a half earlier. Yep. Yep. So I'd gone from surfing Crombin Alley to a, like literally it was a week and a half. As a size of a pea. It was the size of a pea and he said I've been but unfortunately because of the public holidays that we're going into – I haven't been able to get onto anyone, but I've got one more guy that, like, I'm waiting to get back from here. He's really well known. It's Dr. Nick Crampton. Um, he's just at Coolangatta. I've sent other patients to him. They've really been happy with him, and that's where we're trying to get. But he's actually going on holidays tomorrow. So we're trying to get him to see you before he goes on holidays. So I was like, wow. Okay. And then all of so all this is coming at you. I'm still on the... You have breast cancer. So yeah, I'm not hearing any of this. Yeah. I'm just like, I have breast cancer. I'm not, nothing else is sinking in. So he just said, look, I'm just going to put leave you here for a minute because I need to make some more calls to figure out how we can get this in. So we're left in this room, Max on headphones, and Crystal, I remember looking at her going, like she just, there was no colour in her face. Um, and I was like, but I think we were actually in shock. We yeah. were just like, there was no tears. It was just like, like what? Like, and I remember him coming back in going, are you sure that it's it's breast cancer? Like, and he actually like pulled up the report and actually read it out to me. Um, and then we were like, we were pretty silent. We were just trying to embrace it. And then I remember Crystal going, I need to write stuff down. And I said, oh, like, I, I'm just not, like, getting any of this. Yeah. So it's like you, So you've stopped. You, you've just I've totally emotionally stopped, stopped at the yeah. word cancer. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's totally stopped. Nothing else can come in now. Yeah, that's it. So Crystal and he said, look, everything, the surgeon – like you're in now a specialist hands. So that's who you will deal with. You have to be at his office tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock because he needs to see you before he gets on a plane. Wow. We're sending over all the scans, absolutely everything that we've done so far to him and then he will see you. So um, we walked out. We were pretty silent um, and our house is only 150 metres away. We walked in the house um, and I walked through the house and I had like this covered wall and I leaned against the covered wall and I absolutely lost it. Like I just collapsed to the ground, pulling my eyes out and just saying to Crystal, I don't want it. Like I don't want it. Like why? Like I don't want this. Um, and, then I, and then she's like, Max can't see you. So let's put you in the shower. And then I was going, we've got to tell mum. And then she was like, it's okay. Let's just put you in the shower first. And she had flipped straight away to Kara. Yeah. She yeah. was just like, okay, if you're down, I'm up. Yeah. And that's what we're normally like. Um, 
There'll be a, there would have been a moment coming. Yeah, and I and I couldn't walk, and I remember her actually picking me up and, and putting me in the shower. Oh, so it fully hit you when you walked in. Yeah, I just I could not move. Yeah. I just was like, and and the half of me was like, oh, this just isn't real, and then the other half of it, it is real. And then thinking, obviously, like dad creeps into my head because you know, like you've got so many questions. Well, what do I do? Who do I call? What, like. How do I get rid of it? How, you know, because you want all your answers at once. Had, had the had the had the word death come floating nah. through? Yeah, cool. No, a hundred percent not. And then I remember I couldn't call my mum, and I said to Crystal, "I can't do it." And she said, "I will call your mum. I'll call your mum." What strength? And I'll and I'll tell her. And um, my brother was away on holidays at the time at Port Macquarie at my cousin's place. My sister was at Ballina that lives close to my mum um, and Crystal rang up and broke that news to my mum. My mum was very okay. Are you sure? Okay. We'll be there tomorrow morning. Wow. Um, when she said we'll. Yeah, which is her and a partner, Roro, Will, Will Rossi. Yeah. Um, and she was like, we, we like, we need you yeah. and we'll see you in the morning. Yeah. So it wasn't a, we didn't invite her. She was just like, you know, mum's coming. We've done everything yeah. as a family. Um, and then. So your mum knew right then, let's, let's, let's pull the village mom, together. Yeah. So my mum, then she took it upon herself to call my sister and my brother. Yeah. Um, and they've got, look, they've got their own sort of stories with it. I know my, when my mum called my brother, my brother was actually having beers with my cousin and he just all of a sudden left and he was missing for like an hour and a half. Um, and him and Brooke had, had, Brooke had just walked him off and just, and then they'd come back and then they told my cousin who's like, Luke, and Belinda are like amazing and, and they've been a part of this village and part of this journey. But um, my brother just rang me and just um, said, you're, you're going to be okay and we'll just do everything together. Like that was our thing. Like we'll just do everything together. Are you okay? What, like what do you need right now? And do you want, do you want us to come home? And I said, I don't want you to come home. I think we've got all this other stuff that we need to do. So honestly, like, keep doing your holiday, and like, we'll we'll call we'll dial you into the surgeon tomorrow. Um, but yeah, don't don't come home yet. I think we've got a while, you know. Mm. Um, what about Natalie? Natalie was coming with mum. Yeah. She was just like, see you tomorrow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my sister, right? Like, um. So, but they're obviously all whacked their boxing gloves yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, we talk about that night now and, and um, you know, my mum was hysterical that night. Yeah. You know, like I really broke my mum's heart that night. Um, my mum cried all night and didn't get one wink of sleep um, because her daughter had breast cancer and there's not – the stories and the percentages are pretty grim. 
um, yeah, we've when got you get so, breast we've, cancer. Yeah, we've got the percentage that you were given. Yeah, so she's like lost her husband and now she's facing of now she's facing um, losing her daughter. How many years later is that from dad dying? I was 36. Max was five. And I was 24 when I lost dad. Yeah, so eight years. So. Um, oh, sorry. No, 10 years. So. 12 years. <laughs> yeah, not that she told me <laughs> sorry. that. Sorry. Yeah. I'll tell you, when we rocked up and all met at the front of this surgeon's place the next day, I, you know, I didn't see that no. at all. It was like that came out. Um, so you, you said you, you broke her heart. I broke her heart. Yeah. I've broken, yeah, I broke mum a couple of times, really, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish I didn't. And probably that's. Um, like a lot of people will probably argue with that and, and, and I get, and I, and I can understand it. Like it's people. Because it was something that you said earlier is like well, people want to say the best things in these times. Oh, you're going to make it through. You're going to be strong. Yeah. We, they don't. They actually don't know. Yeah, that's no right. No one knows. They just say these things like you said earlier or your dad, someone said, oh, he will always be with you. But no one actually knows that that's just something they want to say because they're awkward in a moment of someone else's Correct. trauma. Yeah. And and you said, I broke mum's heart. Like what is it? What how, Can you explain to me why you think you broke your mum's heart? Because... The pain of those words. My mum, my mum's first, my my mum's heart really got broken when my dad died. Even though, like, we can mend it and fix it, but there's always, always a little piece of her heart that will yeah. always be forever not there. Obviously, yeah. Um, and when you have a parent pass away of cancer, you have this inkling, right, that it's not really an inkling. It's this thing of we've lost the biggest, best thing in your whole entire life through such a tragic circumstance that, well, will I get it? And then you move on with your life and you don't even give it a second chance or mm. a second thought. But I knew that, I look, I can't even imagine the, the amount of pain that probably I've put my mum through emotionally, the emotional toll that, and and. My mum is the biggest hero in my journey. Yeah, like she See, really is. I would say that. I'd say that in the counselling world or in, in the psychology, the psychological world would would probably say, if you were saying you broke your mum's heart, that means that means that you have taken ownership of what you've got and that you gave it in a traumatic way. Yeah. Like, but I don't see that that about you. I I love the fact that you're owning you broke your mum's heart. Because of how much she lost with her husband, and yeah. that c word came back. Yeah, it was a part of your life at that moment. Yeah, not a good friend. Oh, not but a good but friend. then you had to deliver the news to your mum, yeah. and that's what broke your mum's heart. Yeah, and I remember the next day when we saw each other. Um, and this is a testament to the mother that I that I have is that she when we saw her at the surgeon's at the surgeon's place, she just gave me like. The, the biggest cuddle, right? Yeah. Um, and I sort of like, I knew seeing her, I would probably get a bit teary and she's just like, come on, we're just going to go in there and we're just going to do whatever we have to do, Basically, you know? Right. So um, so that you've, we went in there and met this, met this surgeon and he's looking at all my stuff that I'd done so far and, and said to us, look, I, I'm going on holidays in a couple of hours Whilst I'm away over the next week, you're going to do blood tests, PET scans. Um, we need to check if the cancer's gone into your bones. 
Um, so you're going to, I've booked you a whole lot of these tests um, that you're going to go through to figure out how far advanced this is. And then we're going to get a specialist team together to deal with this, which will in, probably include an oncologist, a surgeon, um, but we, you need to look at this as let's just take one step at a time and your first step is we need to figure out how far advanced this is throughout your body um, and this is this is the hardest time for you. So has, has Brooke come back yet? Brooke's pretty present at this stage. So oh. Brooke has had a real good night's sleep, to be honest, crying yourself to sleep. Yeah. Brooke woke up with a bit of a panic attack. Yeah, understandably. Um, but... Brooke woke up, went, all right, let's go. All right, let's. You feel like you were standing on that? Someone give me a solution. Yeah, well, you feel like you were standing on that starting block, looking down the. Yeah, going, okay, so obviously this is going to be, um, yeah, what do I need to do? So exactly like I suppose with doing stuff like saving, what training sessions do I need to do to get there? Like what do I need to do? Do I just need to get an operation, cut my boobs off? I'm okay with that. Like, you know, do I need I – w- I knew watching Dad go through a bit of chemo that um, that's something that I didn't want to do. Yeah. That I was scared – I was more scared of the chemo word than what it actually was of the cancer word. Yeah, right. So – I think it. I think that's pretty well – not far off tr- really right because of that – Chemo radiation, they kill your body. Yeah. Chemo is a chemical that goes in and kills every cell in your body. Yeah. That's what it's for. It's to do it to kill all the cancer in your body. Yeah. And that's and it's all just, the good it's just as well. Yeah, all the good as well as the bad. And I have a few friends that have survived as well and they're not the same because of the chemo and so on. But it doesn't mean you can't be. It just means they're not. Um, I did want to ask you before we get into any more of the story, how's your mum now? Oh. What's her name too? Yvonne. Yvonne. Hey, Yvonne, shout out to you. She's, yeah. She, um, oh, she's just so happy. She's She's so happy. She is, she's, she is a superwoman. She lives life every single day um, contently. Like she's really content. Um, Still in Bellina? Still in Ballina, still in the very same house that oh, my yeah, dad and yeah. her built with their own two hands. Yeah. Um, you know, we won't give off the street, but obviously it's near the north wall. It's in walking distance yeah. to the north wall. Um, and But do you know what? Like I know that um, we're our family, the best, the best thing, we've always been a close family, right? Always. Yeah. Like always, always been a very super close family. When my dad passed away, we were probably even more glued together. Yeah. Like we were more, we are like together, we're in this, no one's, yeah, we are just so tight and whatever one of us is going through, then we're all just going to go through life together, mm. you know. And we've always had that. Even we we just don't fight and we don't, we just love each other so much. Like you could imagine a like, you know, I was 24, Clint was 27, Natalie was like 16, 15, 16, um, and we're all living back in mum's house, you know, like yeah. under mum's roof with mum's rules. And, <laughs> you know, there's not too many kids that can go from living out by yourself 
to back in mum's house where, you know, you know, you've got to hang out the washing and you've got to yeah. – mum would still cook us breakfast and then, you know, we just – yeah, we're just so tight. Yeah, just amazing. so, so tight. And I'm so – she's she's the miracle. Like yeah. she's she's the miracle, she's the glue and I'll tell you if – if if you called her up right now and said I oh, I know I know your daughter and this has just happened to me and I need help, she would get in a car and drive up. Yeah, I was going to say, Yvonne, you sound like the sort of woman that I'd want in my corner, yeah. no matter what fight I was in. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and and she's yeah she look with what I've probably put her through, not through no fault of my own, of course, or not that I meant to do it, but um. She, to be able to come out, the both of us, the other side, like let's face it, nobody wants to lose your children. And we've both have to accept the reality of being a stage four breast cancer patient, which I am. That's the deal with cancer. You know, like, yep, I was able to beat it once, yes. I've I've actually beaten it twice. Um and I'm on a treatment right now that we hope to keep at bay. But at the end of the day, my deal with cancer is that, is that it could give me a year, it could give me two years, it could give me 10 years, it could give me 20 years. I could have to face it another few more times. Um, but, you know, we've had to face that reality together is that I could get sick again and, and next time it could get me, even though I'll fight tooth and nail for it not. But that's the deal that you make. You know, and and people. How did like, you make that deal? Like, what what deal did you make? You to make it as a cancer patient. Yeah, right. And the deal is, is that that the days that you don't have it, that you wake up and you just live every second, like every second of your life to your maximum potential, yeah. and you can see it in every cancer patient. You look at the life of Olivia Newton-John, right? Yeah. Fought it five times, five times it came back. She, you get sick, you fight it, and on the good days when you are good and you are at your maximum potential, then you need to feed that to the world and make sure you are not only helping people but you live your life with no regrets like my dad did and to its fullest potential and whether you're helping people or whether that's taking your nephews for a surf, um, yeah, you just you don't waste a day. Because yeah. the day is just so precious. Because let's face it, like I, I've got a PET scan due in three weeks, and yeah. I, I don't know what that's. We heard going to say we heard the trauma that leads into their PET scans. Yesterday, when we were invited into their house so intimately to watch the process of chemo being delivered, yep. and we had some laughs together. Yeah, there was definitely some tears. That yep. was from me. Um, but we, we, I understand, like up until. The, up until you've, you've beat the first round of, of breast cancer where we haven't even started really on the story of the next step, yep. the, you know, the next step. Um, but now every month, is it? No, every three months? Yeah, no, every month every I month, do a, um, a, chemo. A, a chemo. But when do you do month? the PET scans? What, what, what's that? Every three months. So every three? So every 12 weeks. So lead, that scans. week leading up to the PET scan is like a hell week for you. Yeah. It's I have to trauma. get blood tests and, oh, uh, yeah, I have to do a lot to 
prep my body for that pet scan. But even emotionally, like I'm talking about the, oh, the um, emotionally, it's like um, it's probably the time where Crystal and I um, are are pretty low. Yeah, because now, and when this, we get to the story about the second time around, that was obviously like the first time. From my observation, from my, you know, just knowing you as much as I have, it's like, right, we're fighting this and then we're going to win. But then the second time around is is more faced with the fatality. The, it, I'm yeah. not infallible. This, yeah. The second like time. You said that that's the deal I made. Yeah. And, and I think the second time, when you get told it's in your bone. Yeah. Like that's pretty, that's just not pretty a. heavy. Chop your boobs off, yeah, or do chemo, and we're going to shrink it, and we'll get rid of it by just taking off your breasts. Like, so let's not give everyone too much of the yeah, yeah, so, the, um, the, the fifth chapter of the book before they read the second one. Um, um, sorry, all we had to have a little break and uh, get a coffee. Cheers, coffee from uh, our little mates down there at MCs. Shout out to you guys for supplying us with phenomenal coffee. Such amazing coffee. Oh, so let's get back into it. Yeah. And we were where we were at. We were at we were at the the next morning. Your mum had seen you give you a big hug, and you guys were were at the surgeon. Your brother still hadn't come home from holidays, yeah. but Nat was there. Your yeah. mum was there, and Rossi was there. Your yeah. mum's new partner. Yeah. And what's Rossi like? So Rossi, if you do you follow the Balmain Tigers. Like I don't follow them, but I know who they are. Okay, so Rossi used to play for the Balmain Tigers. Oh wow! As like their before, before they became the Western Tigers. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so correct. and he was in the like, he'll, he'll kill me if I get this wrong, but like you know the Artie Beatson yeah, yeah. era. Yeah. So yeah, he's very rough like, and tough football players. Yeah, those guys love that football. A hundred percent, and he is like the fittest fittest man and, and had a lot to do with the football world and is very highly regarded. He used to be an economics teacher at um, Ballina because back in those days, um, that is know. That is two worlds apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Economics teacher and yeah. rough, tough football player. Yeah, yeah. And he's like always selected in like the Tigers always call him up to come down and walk the oval and. Oh, wow. And yeah, so. He's another. So yeah. he's a first grader in the yeah. Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Great. on the old television, yeah. black and white days. I Couldn't tell them though the orange and black Western Tigers. <laughs> you could, they were just the Tigers. Yeah, the main right. Tigers. I remember back in the day where Benny Elias was captain and Paul Sirin. Oh, was it Paul Sirin? I think it was Paul Sirin. Yeah, they were all from Western the Belmain Tigers. Mm. So and and I suppose Rossi was um, a very port, important part of. Um, the journey where I remember like on the, on the the first couple of like appointments and stuff, he said, you know, is it okay, Brooke, that like I'm here? And I was like, I wouldn't want you to be anywhere else, you know, like um, and you can come to everything. And, and it would have been so big for him because they had built a life together where, you know, it was um, – you know, they had their own like little beautiful lives in Ballina yeah. in the house and doing their own thing and so enjoying retirement and, and mum and, yeah. and Rossi and, and yeah, they see us all the time and we're, as I said, we've always got family functions or we just go down for the weekend or whatever. But um, suddenly mum 
has Pacto bags and she has said to Rossi, I don't know when I'll be home. Yeah. Um, and that next day when she she met us at the surgeons, she we were like pretty much preparing to to say goodbye, like to her thinking that she's going back to Ballina. Um, and she was like, oh, no, I'm just getting my bags out of the car. And we said, what? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'll just go get my my bags. And we were like, bags for what? And she was like, oh, I'm staying. And we were like, oh, that's awesome. How long are you going to stay for? And she goes, oh, I don't know when I'm going home. And and she she didn't go home. And um, So the mama, the, the lioness just went, all right, it's my turn. Correct. And, and you could imagine, like, Ballin is very different to the Gold Coast. Like, my mum would laugh but she still she doesn't feel very comfortable driving on the Gold Coast like everyone around Ballina you know sort of drives 40 50 60 oh, I know. you know what I used to it's holiday I used to holiday town. at Lennox yeah I used to holiday at Lennox Heads every year yeah and we'd go from Lennox down to to Ballina to get Maccas for the kids or something and I was pain in the ass how slow they drove yeah but it wasn't even a que- a, a question for mum no. you know she was just like I'm in. I'm, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. Like if you're in, I'm in. A- and I'll go home whenever. We don't know when that's going to be. And then I looked at Rossi going, are you okay with that? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll be back up in a couple of days. I'll just go home. And at that stage they had a, a, a golden lab which was, you know, 12 years old. So, like, I'm just going to go home and but I'll be back up in a couple of days. And I was just like, oh, just come up whenever you want, you know. So... And then so mum went through a week of testing, so PET scans. You honestly feel like a pin cushion every day. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, have this tablet and then you need to have this tablet to combat that tablet and then we're going to put radiation dye into you and then we're going to draw more blood. And then we're like, okay, now we need to do this test and we need to do this test and it's all trying to work out. Somebody's just told you that you've got breast cancer but we need to work out how far that is in your body to work out how we can treat you. So I sort of. So how quick the life changes from. Correct. Having a, going for a surf. Yeah. Life's great. Life's great. Two weeks, like you're gone. Yeah, so we're up to day, since we've been told we're on day 11. Yeah. We've had all these tests and we're, we knew we had to go back to the surgeon um, to, get the results of all these tests to figure out what we're going to do. So Clint was like, all right, I'm flying back home. I'll be there. Natalie's like, I'll be there. Mum, of course, is already with us. Um, Rossi's coming up. And um, we walk into that room and we're all sitting in the waiting area and we can tell tell the receptionist is like looking at all of us sort of like, wow, there's a lot of you. And Crystal obviously there. Obviously, yeah, Crystal. What about Crystal's parents and family? (laughs) No, we sort of like we probably kept it more to my side. Um, they had known what we were going through, um, but we'd yeah we just really. Um, so the, here's this group. Yeah, here's this village, right? <laughs> mm. So which they I don't think that they'd seen before, to be honest with you. So you know, Nick comes out and opens his door and says, "Brooke, come through." like very matter of the fact is kind of person and we all stand up and we all walk in. So we're piling into this room and he sort of looks at us and goes, oh, like are you all coming in? And straight away mum's like, oh, yeah, we all come in. 
And my brother's like, cr- like, so it has this little chuckle to go. Every appointment's going to be like this. Mm. Like, yeah. we're all in this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, okay, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Please feel free to ask questions. Like, but so, so the village thing was, it might be in your body, but it's our fight. Uh, yes. Was that? Was that? I'm yeah. just. I'm assuming. One in, all in. Yeah. Um. You know, like if one of us is going to Bali, we're all going to Bali. Yeah. We're, if one we're, of us is, yeah. if one of us is moving to Sydney, we're all getting in the car to drive that person to Sydney to help set up their new place. Yeah, we've got a part to play in this. Right? Correct. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, and from the most littlest celebration of hey, it's your birthday, we're all getting together. Yeah. Um, where you can go, oh, you know, it's only my. 27th birthday, it's not a big one. Well, everything's a big one, you know. Where So um, so we all walk in there and we sit down and he goes, Brooke, I just want you to make sure that you sit here and our crystal, I want you to sit here. So we're like closest to him and in front and everyone's behind me. They're on the, they're laying on the bench, like not laying <laughs> but sitting on like the bed and yeah. doing all this uh, and in this tiny little room. And and then he said, look, like we've, we've I've spoken with your team, you now have a team. Um, your breast cancer is very advanced. Uh, it's down to the wall um, of your your right breast. It's all the way down to the wall. It's definitely in your lymph nodes. Um, and what we need to do is because the size of the tumour is so big, we need to start to manage that and we need to kill it before we cut it out of you. Oh. So. What that involves is chemotherapy. So so before surgery they had to do? Yeah. So they said you're looking at a long chemotherapy because we need to either shrink it or kill it because if they remove the breast with it all, those cells still alive, then all those cells are just going to keep going throughout your body. Okay. Um, so he started to explain it to us and he, and he brought up some diagrams for us to see and explain like with the pictures and the PET scan where it is and you can see it that it's gone to my lymph nodes and um, it had gone across the chest wall a little bit but wasn't in my left breast. So he'd gone, so the first person that you're going to deal with is an oncologist and her name is Tazvakova. She's at John Flynn. We've got you an appointment. You're actually going there in a couple of hours to go and see her, right, because your cancer is so aggressive that we need to start attacking it straight away. So they put a team together They'd put a really team together. quickly. Yeah, wow. like really quickly. Um, and then so I hadn't asked any questions at this stage. I was just like. Can I just, so I don't want to lose track of time. Really importantly, yeah. you were told you had cancer. Yep. And then the next day you had the first meeting with the surgeon. Yep. And then. Uh, how long after that was so that? So we're on day 11. Day 11. Yeah, so, so day 11. So in 11 days he, he got I'd back gone from, his, from surfing the alley yeah. to getting told you've got breast cancer and to, you know, you yeah, you, to you're well. in sitting in a surgeon saying not only do you have breast cancer but it's really aggressive. Really aggressive. But I was really thankful because in that I remember going, um, but he would put it like saying, so it's not in your blood. Oh, yes, winning. Okay, it's not in your bones. Yes, winning. Oh. Right? That was my attitude towards it. So this is where it is. It's aggressive. We need to attack it. This is how we're going to attack it. You're going to have a team of people looking after you. We've each got our job. So first comes the oncologist, okay? She's got a job with you. So it's 
she's a specialist in her field. She's going to work out the amount of chemo that you need and what that routine and I'm going to let her explain that to you. And then you're going to come back to me and then we're going to remove that breast um, and then you're probably looking at radiation where you're going to a radiation team. But the, it's a very long road and – Did he give you a time prognosis there? No, he didn't. He just said it's a really long road and what you need to do is just tackle step by step. Yeah. So the first step is your chemotherapy. Um, so I was like, okay, thinking in my ha- head super positively going, I have a plan. I'm going to win. So because my mum's number one saying is have a plan because without a plan you fail. Like that's what she used to always say to us. Plan, have a plan, right, because without a plan you fail. So I was like, oh, God, this plan, I'm so sweet. And then you're faced with like him saying, okay, we're taking your right breast off. Yeah. Didn't even sink in. Right. Didn't even like. like let's get a plan to win. Yep. Um. And then I remember from, he goes, does anyone have any questions? Yeah. And my sister said, um, my sister said, is she going to die? And I was like. That's just. (laughs) Yeah, you've got to give that a minute, haven't you, really? Yeah. And I remember. When you heard that. I was like, my first thought was, why would you even ask that? Like that was my first thought because that question hadn't popped up in my head. Yeah. So I was like, I could answer that for it. Going, of course I'm not. But, and and probably the look on my face, like to her, was that. And and that's why you need your village, right? Because there's some tough questions that you don't think about that need to be asked, and there's some other questions where. You're just in such a listening phase or some days you'll get stuck on one single word. Like on that day I was stuck on chemotherapy because I said to mum, the only thing I don't want to do is chemotherapy. Like, please, I just wish I could just have an operation. Please don't let let me have to do chemotherapy. I'd seen friends and stuff go through chemo um, and I just didn't want a bar of it. So I was sort of stuck back there and then Natalie brought me back to reality. And I'm so thankful that she asked but it was like – it was an oh shit moment. Like, and then he said, um, I can't answer that question. All I can say to you is that we are going to do everything that we possibly can do to save her life. So we have so got at that people. Point, who at that have, point, it wasn't about you living, it was about you, them saving your life. Correct. And he said, We've had people that have been in the exact same stage as Brooke. Where through a treatment plan, we have been able to save their life. So we are going to do everything that we possibly can do to do that. So I imagine that would have caused a silence in the room. Yeah. And then the other question was put to go, you know, if, if she does this, like, okay, so... Give me a percentage. So my my brother is a mathematical person. Like he's he works for the TAB. He's he did math X and all this other thing. Like a mathematical genius, and he wanted the percentages. So your your sister's the practical one. Yeah, black my, or white. Yeah, Which and my one? brother wanted the percentages. Yeah, Give okay. me the percentages. So what you know? What's the percentage that you know where she's at? And and what was what's the percentage of saving a life? And 
Um, and he he couldn't give it. He just said, look, there's been many a women from around the world that has come before Brooke with the same sort of breast cancer, estrogen positive, no family history, no brachia gene, no nothing. And statistically, this is how we've treated them. And statistically, this is what gives her the best option to be okay at the end of it. Mm. So I was like, all right, because I'm still back in, we've got a plan. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's start. Like when do we start this? Like yeah. can we start tomorrow? Can we start this afternoon? Um, like let's get training. How much did you how much did you think that you had to play a part in winning? Like you've been given this plan by your doctors, surgery, chemo, surgery, radiation, uh, you know, mastectomy, the whole thing. But like are you just along for the ride at that point or is there a part of Brooke that goes, no, there's work that I actually need to do in this and what was that? The At that point I like I got the competitiveness came out. At so, that point I that, was like. Looking down, like I'm going to keep referring to that. Yeah. Looking down that starting line. Yeah, at this point I was just like, okay, this is me versus cancer. Yeah. I have got more people on my side. Yeah. So good luck. Yeah, I train harder. Um, and I was like, I've got to do every, like, this is something that I can't get second place. I have to win. Like, there's no option. So I'm going to do everything that I need to do to do that. Like, and if that's, you know, chemotherapy, because I was so against it, if that's chemo, I accept it. Get it into me. Let's kill it. Let's get this show on the road. Cut off my breasts. You want to do that? Do it. I don't, I don't – I will swim the biggest ocean that you want me to swim because I want to be okay for my village. So let's just put our head to down and get through. One of our biggest things is that like everyone like that had said to us, look, you need to find a group of people that, you know, can offer you advice and, um, and you know, there's why don't you look on Facebook or look in books and stuff like that. But we just found a lot of we, a lot of those groups were older groups with older women. I suppose I didn't, they had a different perspective on life than me. Um, you know, a lot of them were like talking about how they'd live their lives you know, they don't. They were so happy to get to like 80, 85 and they still hadn't had breast cancer yet. They probably looked at me not as an alien but a bit like, what are you doing here? Like, yeah. and I didn't want pity. I wanted people that were like, like with me, like let's yeah. be brave, let's yeah. be like, yeah. you know, like I think. That's the village, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah. the village for sure. Because I think like we, and I, I believe, I think we, I think we can we can look for um, people who can show us sympathy because they've gone through the same thing, but sometimes it can be just detrimental. Yeah, yeah. I never wanted. I never wanted to. I don't think I ever felt like a cancer victim for such a long time. Wow. Like, you know, when we started the chemo. And, and I sent you a video, Nathan, I don't know if you're going to show it, but if you do. But, you know, mum and I are sitting in this video and I watched it back this morning before I came here and there's this nurse and he's just about to inject my very first round of chemo, right? 
So we've just been explained. It's called the Red Devil. Well. You're going to do chemo for 20 weeks. Your first, like, the Red Devil, it's four rounds every two weeks. The Red Devil is the worst. That's why we call it the Red Devil. It's designed to kill every single cell in your body. Yep. It's going to make you sick. Yeah, You're not going to be able to get right. into bed because mm. we need to kill the cancer cells, but we can't tell, kill the cancer cells without killing the good cells. So yeah. this will make you the sickest. You're going to lose all your hair. You're not going to be able to get out of bed. We're going to give you steroid injections to get out of bed. You need to take pain medication. Then you're going to get constipated. Then you're going to take this. It brings mouth ulcers. Um, a lot of people can't eat because of the mouth ulcers. So you're fed all this information. I don't, I don't know if it's possible, but is there any way that we can show that video now? Like, is that right? Because you just explained it. I think it's a good spot to put it in. Yeah, we might even just try and do this and you can explain. Here it is here. So. Yeah, so this is day one. Um, and you can see. So there's Yvonne. Yep, there's my mum and that's Pete. Pete. He was like our first uh, chemo person. So this is the first round of the Red Devil. Yeah. You're about to get. So and I and I look back at this now and I didn't even realise that I was doing this but I've got a smile on my face. I'm like, you know, let's go. That was the only thing I asked for was my birthday off. Yeah. You know. This is nine years ago, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And here we go. How are you feeling right now? Um, I just, that gives me the heebie-jeebies, but you hear me say in a minute is like, okay, can you let me know when this starts? Because I can't wait to get this, can't wait to get this cancer killing shit in me. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people, people who have been through this will, will know what it feels like. But, yeah. And I can't like. Yeah. So as soon as it goes in your body, you get a metallic taste in your mouth. Right. So it actually feels like you're chewing on a fork. Um, it's the best way to describe it. Um, but I think the first time you're just so like, let's go. Like I know, <laughs> I know this sounds so harsh, but this, this is good. Like. Yeah. This, like, it, it was called the Red Devil, but we always saw it as, like, it's going to kill cancer and red's fast and, yeah. you know, let's go and it's such a strong potion and, and this is, it's, we looked at it so positively. Instead yeah. of looking at that bag to go, this is going to make you so sick. Yeah. And we didn't really know what we were in for the, the first, first time. The first time around, yeah. The second time you sort of go, ooh, like, all right, I'm like, let's go. We're still killing cancer. Um, the third time is when every by the third stage I'd, I'd lost my hair. Um, so the cycle with, with me would be I would sit in that chair. I, Crystal, would I wasn't able to actually physically walk out of the hospital after the five hours of chemo going into my veins. So she would end up going out in a wheelchair, putting me in the car. And then we would drive home where I was, I really wasn't even present. And then Crystal would carry me into the house um, and put me into bed and I would stay there for about a week and a half. And um, and I would probably have four good days before I'd have to drive back there. And that's the hardest bit because you get to your point where on those four good days I was back surfing the alley 
I was like doing everything with the nephews. Like, yeah, I I was tired, um, but I wasn't sick and I was so happy to be up and so happy to be in the sunshine. We would walk and get a coffee, like, do you know, and the metallic taste was good. So you'd just be like, yes, I can actually like taste the coffee because you're living off watermelon juice, right? So, and the hair's gone um, and, but. How's Max? How's Max? Oh, Max is such a champion. Max, um, Max doesn't remember much of it. Okay. So we made the conscious decision with him that we were going to share everything with him. We were going to tell him the truth. We weren't going to hide anything. So I actually sat in the bath one night with him and I let him feel the lump and said, mum's got cancer. He's five. Yeah, five. And we were said, so what has to happen, Bar, is because even though you don't see me as sick, I actually need to get sicker before mum can get better. So it might be that mum might be in bed a bit more. Mum can't go to drop you off at school all the time. But um, like when mum's okay, she's going to be mum and she'll do everything. But we need to put in some changes. So changes like, which is really hard, but changes like Max, your child would come home from school today and run in the front door. And come screaming through the front door to come see you and give you a hug and yes, how the day was. Well, Max can't do that with me because I don't have many white blood cells and Max is full of germs. So Max had to stand outside and have a shower and take all of his clothes off and then pretty much get doused in like a 99.9% cream all over him and all over his hands 50 million times and get his hair washed every single day after he got home from school because he had to do that before he could give mum a cuddle just to say hello and to talk to me about his day was. But he just took it like a trooper and probably his age was really amazing because he was like I would say a compliant child but he would we would just come on it's sprinkler time and whatever before you see mum and a couple of times he actually stuffed it where he came running in and I remember my mum screaming, Max, 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 don't go in there, you know, don't go in there. And she'd pull him back out and but he just wanted to see his mum, yeah. you know, like. Mm. So and even with probably the realist mo- moment, and this is what a legend he is really, I remember I was having a real good day and I didn't have any hair and but I um, I went to school to pick him up because I was like, Guys, I'm going to pick up Max. And they're just like, oh, well, we'll come with you. No, I just want to go pick up Max by myself. And I walk into the school and I'm standing out the front of his classroom and I'm super happy. And um, then I'm up because it's the little things, right, that everything gets ripped away from you and you're so grateful that I'm not feeling nauseous enough that I can drive myself there to just pick up my son from school. And he comes down the steps and he gets stopped by two of his mates and he goes, why doesn't your mum have any hair? right, because they're all in like year one and he just looks at them and just goes, oh, she's got cancer in her boobs. Like, and they were just like, oh, okay, yeah. what are you doing? This? Can I come over to your house? <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, and yeah. I'm like, because I'm wearing a mask and yeah. I've got gloves on, like, you know, with no hair. So but I you've like let him bit, in and made it a, a real thing. Yeah, correct. Like it wasn't, it was just like, wow. yeah, it was just like a job. You know, so. Um, so then like you were in the first like couple yeah. process. like, yeah. And was it, uh, uh, let's give everyone the process again. So 
every two weeks. Yeah, every so you, you my get first, shot with the Red Devil. Yeah, so I had to do four rounds of the Red Devil. So that's eight weeks. Yep, and then the Red Devil is meant to shrink it. Yep, and then you're meant to go on to your second round of chemo, which that sort of cleans the rest of it up. We'd got the sickest of sickest days where by the end of it. Um, so by the fourth one, how are you feeling? Like I'm unable to get out of bed by the fourth one. Yeah. Were you still um, like, let's get this into me? Or were you like, I just don't want to do this? I was more like excited about counting down the fourth one. Yeah. So I was like, all right, we've made it. I'm not, I didn't, I, I've never gone into a five kilometre race and swum four kilometres. Okay. Like you've yeah. got to swim five Ks. So yeah. I very much knew you had to do the last session. Um, by that stage, we were having steroid injections to get myself out of bed, which Crystal had to deliver into my stomach. Yeah. There was plenty of days where. <laughs> Let, before we finish that, I, I want to actually again acknowledge Crystal in this moment because yeah. she's gone from, and this is only a matter of weeks, really, well, yeah. you know, probably three months, over a three-month period, she's yeah. gone from having a very, very healthy partner. Yeah. Who she loves to become a very – she has to be a very, very sick partner yeah. and she's been the carer. Yeah, and we've done a complete role reversal where now she is um, – I have turned into this child, pretty much a baby, that cannot do anything for and her. And she's had to – So I've come from this very independent sort of, you know, protector of my family, earn the money, to, like very independent woman and, and – not ruling the roost because we rule it together, but every decision's made together. But we're just, you know, I was very proud. Um, and suddenly I can't go to the toilet without her having to give me an enema. I can't have a shower without her having to carry me into that shower and wash me. I, um, and unfortunately, the stuff in your body is so poisonous that. When I vomit, because you vomit it up, when you vomit, it's so poisonous that she, like, no one can use the same toilet as you because it's so poisonous, you know? So. This heart yeah. wrenching it would have been for her to witness it. She's just gone into mode of. Carer. Yeah. I'm saving you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I saw emotionally that's where it got me because I was like, I hated that. Yeah. Like I hate it. Like I love them for caring for me but I lost everything. Like I was just like this isn't me. This isn't my role. Mm. Um, this isn't who I was raised to be and I don't like being the brook that can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. I have a little quote that says comparison is a motherfucker but I think also so is surrender. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to and one of the life lessons that – I learned was to actually be the patient. Surrender. You know, and just um, – and that took me a lot. Yeah. It took me a lot. But yeah, that's why I asked you what – you know, are you just along for the ride or did you know what part you had to play? Um, I transitioned. Yeah, yeah. I probably fought it for as long as I could yeah. and then realised – and they're, they're on their own journey, right? Like – Absolutely. You know, like Crystal let you in the other day and said to you, like she walked in some nights and some afternoons and would all the – I looked deceased that she thought I had passed away. Yeah. And she would like shake me to to 
like get me to wake up because she'd honestly thought that I'd passed away um, in that sleep. So, you know, it's, it, yeah, like, and, and mum was obviously in there with us. So um, mum was to watch probably me, like she's raised this woman that um, she's probably so proud of. And she's still proud of me, don't get me wrong, because I'm so brave, but, the, like, uh, yeah, I've oh. never been mm. like this. Well, I'm proud of you that you surrendered. Yeah. Because I think that's on the other side of victory. Yes. Yeah. We're at the fourth round of the Red Devil. Yes. And that's all over with. Yep. So they and your say hair's to me, gone. Your hair's yeah, gone. hair's gone, rocking it. I didn't. You look great too. I brought a, a, I brought a um, wig yeah. prior to the journey started. I decided that I looked really good as a bald person. Yeah, it did. And I wanted to own it and I was really proud of everything that I was doing to fix myself. So I became a bit of a hat junkie where I'd go around <laughs> and buy Super cool hats, so Chris yeah. would buy it for me. I'm a bit of a hat junkie too. I was going to wear yeah, one today hat. too, you know. So love that, my hats. I was going to wear a camouflage one but I thought no one would see it so it's no point, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I never wore a scarf. I don't know why. I just, some yeah. People, some people like the scarf. Though. Yeah, no. I don't know why I didn't. I just liked wearing a hat and the main reason why I wear a hat was because with the chemo you're very susceptible to sunshine so yeah. you cannot get burnt. But I would go into cafes and sit there, um, you know, and sit there with my bald head. Or at, at this point, how are you financially? Like you've gone from being oh, the we're bread in trouble. Where, yeah, yeah, the breadwinner. Yeah, so I've gone from being the breadwinner up. to so we we have insurance or no, nah. yeah, okay. no. Nah. So we obviously have private health, so that was like a blessing, but we never had insurance, um, and. Yeah, we were, you know, by the time just even in those 11 days doing all those PET scans, we'd spent like three and a half grand. Wow. Um, and you just like. Every time your, you sit in the chemo chair, it's $50, hmm. you know, because you're that's in. Just yeah, yeah. That's just the chair. Yeah, that's just the chair. That's not so, the chemo. Yeah, and that's where, well, who's going to pay rent? Yeah. Um, we were so fortunate where um, some cousins of mine offered us money, which we rejected. Um, and they rang up and got the bank account details from my mum and just put it in and just said, whenever you need more, um, just tell us yeah. and we'll give you more, you know. So, and I think it's not really spoken about very much as the financial toll mm. that it it takes on families or whether which partner it is, um, but it's expensive. Because it's a, it's a, actually adds to the stress and the worry of, of everything. How are we going to pay rent? How you know, are we going to eat? How uh, are we going to go to Woolies? How are we going to afford the medicine? How are we going to... A hundred percent. If I can't get this, I can't live. Yeah, that's right. A, and like I, I'm only assuming, like I don't want to put words yeah. in your mouth, I don't, I'm only assuming. Yeah. Like kinda, I can imagine the financial pressure that this puts on people. Oh, and honestly it was, I think once we... We had built a village, right? And my mum said to me, there is so many people that want to help you. Let them help. Yeah. Like you have always been the person to look after everybody and make sure everyone's okay. It's all right for people to make sure you're okay. And if that's the only way that they can contribute 
is financially because they are over the other side of Australia. Like, let them do that. Like, let them help you. Like, absolutely. I had strangers, all my sisters, like some of my sisters' best mates from Lennox Head, they organized every single Sunday from the farmers markets, would turn up on our door a box full of fresh vegetables, fresh um, fruit, and a whole lot of stuff that they had gone and paid for. That just to give us fresh fruit and fresh fresh veggies and for the a, whole entire. And that's week. a village. That's really you know, like and wow. and we that's were incredibly generous. Oh, blown away! And probably we couldn't afford it. To be honest with you, we couldn't. My we we would have made do. Yeah. But and mum would have pulled it from somewhere. But and and or my brother would have financed it or my sister. But. Yeah, it's just. I remember actually it was my dad that used to say this. He was a great man with a lot of great quotes and uh, he would say this, um, to be a good res- a giver, you first need to learn how to be a good receiver. Yeah. Yeah, and I had to learn that. Like I I suppose I probably already felt like a bit of a burden. Yeah. You know, like I can all consumed, you know, between, you know, like my brother got every single chemo session off. So he could come. My sister, he, like, he organised it with work. My mum had moved in. Crystal pretty much had to cancel her work. Um, I'd already felt like such a burden that I was like I just didn't want to burden everybody. But then I realised I'm not I'm not that, you no. know, like I'm. They were finally able to exercise their talents around the most competitive person they yeah, probably knew. Yeah, and uh, so many times my brother said, dude, you're the person that for your whole entire life if you see somebody homeless, you'd give them a blanket yeah. and you would take them home and you would give them, put them in your room, like offer them a bedroom or you would take your shirt off, like just just let people in. Now and it's your turn, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like just, just you're so lucky and it's because of everything that you've put out to the world so far Yeah, that now it's your turn. Yeah. So There's a line in the book, The Alchemist, and it says, that the whole universe conspires to get you what you want. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And so look at this. Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful line and it, I can see it out playing in what you're doing. I mean, we're not there. So um, you finished your first round of yep. the Red Devil and there yep. you go. And then they say it hasn't worked. Oh. <laughs> hasn't worked. You've it, gone through all this for nothing. It, <laughs> um, but we're hoping that the second round that goes um, – you know, so like all in total, it's 20 weeks. So we're hoping that the second round is actually going to work. So I'd gone, oh, shit, like we've gone all through all this. We've done the red devil. We've conquered it and it hasn't worked. Like this is not like I was just like it's that for- was my fuck you moment. Oh, right. Is that fatality? I got real saying- angry oh, going, cool. going this is like, yeah, this, right. is, this is unfair now. You know, like I'm I'm doing everything that I possibly can do, everything that everyone wants me to do, every needle, every injection, every blood test. I've been a queen cushion. I've done everything you want me to do and it still hasn't worked. And then they said, but sometimes when you mix it with round two, it'll start working. But with, there's no guarantees. So, and that's a problem, right? I think with cancer patients, there's no guarantees. Like if somebody said you've got to do A, B, C, and we can guarantee you that it's going to work, you're like, oh, yeah, give it to me. Yeah. But there is none. There's like all we can do is just give you everything else that we've given to every other person and it worked for them so hopefully it will work for you. Mm. Like that's what they say to you. Wow. 
So, um, yeah, so we did the 20 weeks. How's the village right now? Oh, the village is firing because the we had then we went to weekly, but it's not the biggest toll on your body. Yeah. Um, the village, like, and different people entered the village, you know, like Selena Carney, who I grew up with, who was like pretty much a second mother to me. She's a hairdresser. So the day all the hair came off, you know, like when your hair falls out through chemo, it feels like somebody's got a pair of tweezers and they're pulling out every single oh. hair, strand by strand. It's so hurtful. And I remember calling up her and going, can you please, please come up here and shave my head? Because she said she, that's what she wants to do, shave my head. I said, please, like I was bawling my eyes out, going my head. So anyway, next minute, two and a half hours later, she's there at my door, mum's hair, we're all having this shave the head. Then Clint's, of course, there. And then Clint's like, oh, if you're shaving your head, I'm going to shave my head. So Clint <laughs> shaves his head with me. Um, you know, like the... We just, everybody had played such a significant role. To be able to share that moment with Selena, yeah. who she had known me since I was six years old and and followed and been with me throughout my whole entire life um, and very much a mother figure, to be able to let her in, to be able to do that for me and be able to into the comfort of my own home and take away that pain and to rock that with her was all very special. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, so we get... So we, we've been pretty sick and we're, we're appreciating the good days. I am absolutely loving at this stage because I'm starting to feel better more even though I'm going through it. Um, loving surfing uh, Carumban Alley. Yeah. So I hear when, this. You, this is, this when is you are a cancer patient yeah. who has no hair and it's pretty obvious that you're a cancer patient to everybody, um, surfing the alley, oh, you get as many waves as you want. Yeah, yeah. No one drops in no on you. No one's going to drop on you. Everyone just looks at you. Oh, you go. Yeah. Oh, look, here's the perfect <laughs> set. Oh, oh, you have a go, love. <laughs> yes, I'll take that. I'm not going to argue with that. I got so many waves. Like, oh, it was like yeah. this, this shouldn't so give good. shouldn't give licence to people painting themselves yellow and shaving their hair. Oh, though, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't do that. No. But, yeah, and to all those guys out there who gave me all those waves at the alley, like yeah. I appreciate you yeah, because, yeah. yeah, and I, look, I was tired from the chemo and the rest of it, but I just – the days that I felt great, I needed to be Brooke. Yeah. I didn't want to be Brooke the patient and just putting myself back out into the ocean was I wasn't – I didn't feel like Brooke the breast cancer person. I just felt like Brooke. So is the ocean your – um, is the ocean your place? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's mine as well. I don't get in it enough but it is yeah. definitely mine. I find – I remember – and not to deviate from the story, just it's relatable. I remember this day – um, I was surfing with my father-in-law at Southwall. We were on a couple of mills out there. It was, so, it was tiny little waves. It was so clear. And this dolphin kept swimming under me. Yeah. And I went, oh, this is this is my my place. Yeah. This is where I, I have no worries, yeah. no fears. Nothing can nothing can get me. Yeah. And it's humbling. Totally humbling because it's nature. Yeah. And we're in being – Tossed around by it, you know. Yeah, that's right. It's just, it's so unless big. You're, unless you're one of those amazing pro surfers. Oh, who no, can, I'm not that. I'm not sure But, no. um, yeah, I just, it's just, yeah, I could just, I felt like me, I didn't see me as a sick person and I didn't feel sick surfing. I yeah. was doing turns. I was just like. Carving. This is so good. And all my nephews were out there and they weren't looking at me like I'm a breast cancer patient or I'm sick. 
they look like me, like they're like you or Trying to you be know, a, like trying to drop they, in were, on you. they treated me exactly the. It was the one place where they treated me exactly the same way as what they did. Yeah. Before that's, I got sick. That's the ocean. Correct. Uh, or Correct. nature. Nature can do that yeah. for us. Yeah. All right. So the village is growing. Yep. The hair's gone. Yep. The hair's gone. This first round's done. Yep. They're telling you it didn't work, and we're about to jump into the second round. Yeah. And, so we broke through maybe. second round. Yeah. Yep. And then they said, "Okay." So and and we haven't been dropped in on. Yes, I know. So <laughs> we're getting better and better. And the hair's like just starting to grow back. And we're up to probably our biggest first miracle came in my very last cancer. So I'm up to my last chemo session. All right. So we've done 20 weeks. 20 weeks. Something like 37 like blood tests and cannulas and the rest of it. And um, I was so at the very start. I remember because breast cancer is one in five, right? That was the stat back then. And I remember looking around saying between my mum, Crystal, my sister, my sister-in-law and my grandmother, that if any of us was going to get it, it would be me, right? Like I'm I'm grateful that it chose me because if it's got to be one in five, then I'm probably out of all of us the strongest. And at the time my little sister had just fallen pregnant. Um, So... You know, it would have been a total different version for her. And if someone's got to take it, I want to take it for us. Like, I'll take it for the team, let's go. But it was our last chemo section. And I remember I read this amazing, um, a lot of amazing things about ringing of this bell, right? And I said right at the start, every chemo patient, when it ends, every single chemo patient gets to ring a bell. Yeah. Okay. The bell certifies that the end of your chemo journey but the main thing of the bell is to give all the other people who are sitting there in chairs at the start of their journey, middle of their journey, hope that one day they're going to ring that bell. And I had said to Crystal and my mum right from the very start, I said, when I ring that bell, I'm going to ring it like the Bell's Beach trophy. Now, for anyone that surfs out there, the ringing of the Bell's Beach trophy in my eyes is by far the most prestigious surfing trophy that you'll ever get, right? And they literally, you've got to win it to ring it so not everybody can actually ring it, right? You can't just walk up to it. Like no surfer would ever do that. But so when they ring it, they you see them jumping on stage and they shake the shit out of it, right? Shake it so hard. And I said to both mum and Krista, I said, on my last day, I'm going to shake the shit out of that bell like I've won the Bell Speech Pro. Wow. And much to my surprise, we get to the last chemo session um, and in walks an absolute champion and absolute idol of mine, hey. Joel Parkinson. Wow. Which was a massive. With the bell. With the bell. How's oh. this? So my sister-in-law had reached out to Joel and said, and his wife actually and said, look, my, my sister-in-law's done this and she's a surfer and she absolutely loves you, Joel, and, um, you know, this is her dream is to, to ring the bell. Do you mind bringing your Bell's Beach trophy to come into Seabrook on her last treatment so she can ring it? Because for 20 weeks that's all she's dreamt about. Wow. So thinking that Brooke could just maybe pick up the bell and bring yeah. it in, Joel's like, oh, I'm going. You know, like I'm in there. I'll come and see her anyway. He sat with me for my whole last treatment, oh. brought in the bell, 
we all rang the bell, oh. right? I figured like. So the village expands again. The, and yeah, now, so yeah. he was such a champion. And, yeah. and, and you got your dream. Yeah, and it just, you know, I got to ask him like such amazing questions about him and, and he asked me such amazing questions about me and they're a massive supporter of breast cancer. Yeah. They do all the walks. They just recently did a walk and stuff in Brisbane and his wife's very big for that. And and he said, I want you to keep this bell. And I said, what do you mean you want me uh, to keep it? He goes, till you go in your next surfing comp, I want you to keep it. And then when you get out of the water then you can you can bring it back. And it was his favourite bell because he's won it a couple of times, but it was his favourite bell and, and, yeah, and it sat on the mantelpiece for our place because it took me like a good seven months to get back into the water and, and fulfil my little dream, that little pact that I made with Joel. And, and yeah, he was such a champion. So the like, next time you are able to surf after this, seven it was about seven months. And that, that's yeah. what Joel was saying, the next time you get out yeah, there. Yeah, the next time you get out there and I'd done a competition, yeah. um, which was the Queensland Surf Life Saving and I was in the middle of radiation and only one lung was working. But all I wanted to do was go in there so I could ring that bloody bell <laughs> again. So, yeah, so I got out of the water and, and they hoisted me up on their shoulders. And oh. the under 40 women and um, at the Queensland Surf Life Saving Championship and I think I caught one wave in 30 minutes and – my brother was pretty much in his lifeguard suit ready to save me because I was going through radiation at the time. So I only had, yeah, one lung. And, but yeah, but. Have I you given him back the bell? On. Yeah, I gave him back oh, the bell. <laughs> you should never have told I had to give him back <laughs> the bell. So, yeah, so it was, you know, and when I rang it, um, you know, Joel, he went around to like heaps of other patients while he was there. Um, you know, and everybody, like, he took pictures with people and, yeah, and w so we donated a bell to John Flynn, which still to this day, everybody, because they didn't have a bell. Oh. And we donated a bell and every single cancer patient to this day at the end of their chemo journey rings the bell that we do donated. That's so good. Hospital, so that's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, and I shook the shit out of that. I bet you did. That's a great victory. Yeah, yeah. So here we are. You've you've yeah. finished chemo. Yep. Then what's next? Like what? What? How much? The next is let's get rid of your boobs. We've done the chemo. Yep. And how long between that and the next appointment to see what's going on? Um, they needed me to recover from the chemo and get my healthy enough to undergo the surgery. So had they given – did the chemo work? Yes. So they said that they'd shrunken it enough um, and it looked like they had killed it enough to take out my bruise without letting the cells continue to Permeate grow. Permeate through the rest yeah, of the body. Correct. Right. So um, – and that was the thing because if it's still alive and they cut you open, it's gone everywhere. Okay. Um. So I had six weeks. I had six weeks to get healthy. So to be able to undergo the surgery, the surgery was about nine and a half hours. Um, and in that time you get to think about um, do you want both breasts off? Do you want one breast off? Because my left breast at this stage was, was cancer-free. Um, it was a no-brainer for me. I was like take them both. To me... They were dead to me, really. I just couldn't wait to get them off. They were like, it was like another bit of the journey, you know, let's get these off. And and then you've got to come up with the idea of, well, do you want us to leave skin there to put expanders in? So 
they need to leave skin. So then they put these expanders underneath your skin to then expand the skin so then eventually when we put breasts back on you that we, you, we've got enough skin to actually build those pockets there. Um, and I was like, well, you don't need to leave any skin there because I don't want to have boobs. And the surgeon was like, oh, Brooke, you're so young. You'll definitely want to have your breasts put back on and I can make them look really natural and nice and we're going to take fat from your um, bottom and put it here against your wall and then we'll build like expanders and it'll be eight months and you just blow them up and every day you stretch your skin and we put these in and and I just looked at Crystal and I just said, yeah, and, and this is conversations that happened over days with my mum and Crystal, I just said, I don't think I want boobs back. I just... I, I, I so don't. You, you were a beautiful and you you know a beautiful person aesthetically, yeah. and you, you had boobs and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I was a size D. Yeah, yeah. And now so I definitely have boobs. And you're now not wanting them. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, don't want them. And I wanted to get them off, yeah, and so I didn't know whether I felt like it was um, somebody telling me that I had to have breasts. Yeah, because like I'm trying to. I'm trying to understand the process of like how you saw yourself externally versus how you saw yourself internally to be able to make such a radical decision. I I think we just we didn't know what it was going to look like and I didn't either, but I just said can we just get the boobs off first before we talk about anything else. And and how much of a part of it was your partner, Crystal? How much a part of the conversation? She was the same. She was just like, I don't know why we're talking about putting boobs back on. Like, well, let's just get them off first. Like, why we're so she didn't about care. This? She, no, didn't yeah. care. And she is a boob person. Like, she loved my boobs. Yeah. I think it was more of a loss for her than what it was for me. I just um, thought that they were full of cancer, and I just wanted to get them off. It was more of a. I think she probably more thought of, am I still going to find her attractive? What's it going to look like? Um, But we need to get them off before, like we just need to get them off. And you had no, am I still going to be attractive to? I did ask her and she goes, well, I don't know because you've still got boobs. Yeah. So And they don't look any different, you know, like they're full of cancer but they don't look any different. They still look exactly the same as what I did prior to starting it. You know, they're not lumpy or my nipples didn't change or I just didn't have those things. So um, so we – they it's a lot of women when they undergo breast cancer, a lot of women will get their boobs off and then put in the same surgery, get the expanders and everything put in and get it all happening all at once. Well, I just couldn't fathom why anything – like why would you would want to do that? Like I suppose I'd taken steps and I was at the next step. Done the chemo step, tick. Like yeah. that training, done. Okay, yeah. now we're into the next training. Like yeah. let's get these off. So I want to break it down. Um, and so we rocked up to John Flynn and I was feeling pretty good. I was like, all right, let's go. Um, my white blood cell count was good enough. We had to put off the surgery a couple of times because I didn't have very my red and white blood cells were playing a bit of havoc. But finally, like, my body was at a good stage where they said, right, we can operate on you. And then, um, yeah, and then we sort of walked in um, and then it was was literally like a nurse came out and said, Brooke, 
Brooke Collis. Is there a Brooke Collis? And I went, yeah, that's me. And then your buzzer rings and then you walk up and then all of a sudden she's like, okay, I'll take you through. And I was like, oh, wait, like a... It, like I've got my family, they're going to come in and they're like, oh, no, they don't come past this door and I have my village here, right? So this yeah. is the first step that we've had to take separate. 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 Mm. And the village was like, oh, no, we're going to come out the back. And she's like, no, you can't. Like this is pre-op. Like, so the village stayed and I walked through those doors. Um, to explain that feeling of walking through the doors. It was lonely and it was hard. Those steps were so hard and I remember after they put socks on you and asked you your name and stuff, I begged them. I said, please let me see my family one more time because this is all too fast and um, and they let my family come out the back oh, and sit with me yeah. in the waiting area because I'd never done anything by myself. We'd always done it together, you know, like. We were kicking cancer's ass, but as a village, I felt yeah. so strong because we did it as a village, um, and as a team, took teamwork. Um, and then Mum and Crystal came and said, and they had five minutes. They said, "We're going to give you five minutes," because I was just too visibly upset. Um, and then they gave me a cuddle, and just Mum said, "When you come out, you're going to be cancer free." I was like, "Okay." So we got to have like. A proper moment um, and then I got wheeled away and I remember um, sitting out the back just going, I was so going, I can't believe I've made it here, let's get them off. So the first time, the first time in this whole journey and that journey now is, um, if I'm timing this right, about nine months. Yeah, yeah. From start to getting your yeah. boobs off. Um, yeah. So it's the first time you were actually alone. Yeah. Alone in this moment, going through those doors lonely, you get your mum and, and your and beautiful Crystal come. Yeah, and my brother. Where's Max? And my sister. Max Where? is at school. Max is at school. Normal day. Yep, normal day. And your normal sister, routine. And all get to see it. However, it's a, then they're headed off and you're wheeled. In. And you're telling yourself, oh, let's get this done, but you're still alone. It's the first time yep. you've been separated from the village. Yeah, the whole time. The only other time where our miracle happened, where we were separate, was on the last day of my chemo, the night before my sister went into labour. So on the last day of my chemo, we literally finished and my mum raced down to Lismore and just as she walked in, my sister just had um, her second child, which is Valley Brook. Valley Brook. Beautiful. And my, I remember my sister FaceTiming me and had literally, because she had to have a Caesar like I was there in the room and because she would have preferred to be with me and I would have preferred to be with her. Yeah. And that and that was the first time where she wasn't there, right? Like so, it, yeah. It, but not that I felt alone because I had so much of a village and it, but it was so amazing like for, for my mum to be able to experience like such – you know, from going to my last chemo where I'm like, you know, we're, we're fighting a mortality and then a new baby is brought into your family. And um, Natalie and her husband, Rob, who I absolutely, absolutely love, my brother-in-law, he just said, ah, we've named a Valley Brook. And I uh. burst into tears and he goes, 
you are the strongest, bravest woman I ever know. And if she can have half of your spirit, then she'll just be, she'll just grow up to be such a woman of bravery and and spirited and that's all we want. So we've named her after you because we just want her to be just like you. So, and do you know what the weirdest, funniest thing is? She's me. If I passed away <laughs> in that chemo, she's my reincarnation. She's, like, so competitive. She's one that, like, if, like, you know, I took her on a brother surfing last weekend. She was just like, anything you can do, I can do better <laughs> to her older brother. She's, like, out there. She's, like, five years old and we're shoving her onto waves and then she swims back out to me. Yeah, she, she's it. Nice. And she's stubborn as hell. Like, yeah, she she's it. Like, my reincarnation was born, like, mm-hmm. on that same day that, like, people couldn't tell me if I was going to survive or not. Wow. So That's amazing. Yeah, she's it. But, so, yeah, so that you, was a miracle. That, that day you got, if I'm right, that, yeah. day, that day you got beautiful little valley. Yeah. And the bell to ring. Yeah. I got the bell, I got valley, and what, I got to day. see my mum. Be there for both of her daughters. That's amazing. And not have to pick. Well, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So, (laughs) and so, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, yeah. taking those steps were really big. Yeah. You know, but. Now you're in surgery. Yeah, now I'm in surgery. And then the next minute I knew I woke up and the Gold Coast was flooding, right? So the Gold Coast was flooding and I remember waking up and I'm, I'm in this room and I look at. And the first thing I do is see my village and um, they were just like, you're okay. Like they've got it all. Like you're okay. Nick's already been in here. Um, So they've got to test all your cells in your breast tissue but like they're gone. They're off. So I was like, all right. And then the Gold Coast flooded because we were bound to like, you know how you've got those times where those visiting times – but the Gold Coast flooded, so all the village got trapped inside <laughs> John Flynn <laughs> that they were meant to go home, but they literally couldn't because yeah, yeah, it was flooded. So, so the village was like trapped inside this room with me as I re- recovered from yep. surgery. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then we're in there for a couple of days and you've got drains which totally fill up with blood all the time, which yep. you've got to get changed and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you get to take the drains home, so you carry these two handbags over your shoulder everywhere. And I remember, like, we were going to get, I don't know, some stupid groceries or something on the way home or get milk, and I'm carrying these drains. Chris was like, imagine if people knew that you, like, were carrying these blood bags. And he's <laughs> like, they'd be, like, so horrified. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, so, but I remember it took about seven days and he took the wrapping off um, and all the things off your breasts and you're standing there and you're looking at yourself and you've still got like just a couple of things to keep the scar and stuff together going. I I never looked at myself as being ugly. I always looked at myself as like, like I, I was proud. I was proud. I was like, that was probably the first moment where I was like, we've done this. Yeah. Like it was my first thing to felt like I'd won um, it was definitely a step where I felt like I won. I said I I still felt beautiful. I felt pride. Um, 
I didn't look at the scars and go, oh, my God, they're so ugly. Um, I, and I've never looked at them like that and I don't know why. I honestly don't. I, I, he had left extra skin to put the, that he thought that, of course, being so young, he assumed that I'd wanted boobs so he'd left that extra skin there, um, which I didn't really like. However, I got that removed like I think a year and a half later. Um, but and then I looked at Crystal and she had the same love in her eyes. Mm. There's this photo that you've posted. Yeah. And we're, we're going to get it put up yeah. there. It, it, it actually makes me extremely emotional because yeah. here you are exposing how really beautiful you are yeah. uh, without them. And yeah. What a courageous woman is that person, you know? And yeah. You, you, obviously you're courageous for everything, but that photo is just one of the most beautiful photos I've seen of a person. Yeah. I don't, um, I've never. What does it mean to you? What, can you explain? What, what does that photo mean to you when you look at it? Um, that's a big, massive heart. That's heart and that's being so brave. Um, I don't think I understood the word of the meaning behind being brave. Mm. So you go through something like that. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. I think I'm just as beautiful as, well, my chest in particular is that, and look, there could be a lot of men or women or whoever that don't agree with me, but I look, I, I look at my chest and I go, that is an absolute fighter and I'm so proud that I have those scars across my chest because my only other option is that I wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you look happy. I am happy. And do you know what? I, I don't miss them. I really don't. Like a lot of women will probably go, at the end of your day you take your bra off and the first thing you go is, oh, I'm so happy I get to take my bra off. Guess what? I, I don't wear a bra. <laughs> You know, you're like, right, unburdened. I don't. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Like, and it's probably a lot for you to grasp, or or people go shopping and they're trying to get the right bra to fit or get, you know, or they're tired or they're sticking up or you go for a run and they're like, you know, you're trying to wear two bras to hold them down. Guess what? I don't have to do that. The only problem that you now suffer is the bikini top when Correct. you're surfing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been really hard. Like, look, the pain in the ass bit is that I. I I find it very hard to get swimmers to fit me. Yeah. I can't just go to a bikini shop and buy them. Um, I've had to get ladies to actually sew stuff or I've gone and brought stuff like um, surfwear from like Ripco and Roxy and stuff like that and I've had to take it to a sewer to take all the pads out, to take the bone out and to readjust the oh, top bit. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with dresses. I just, yeah. you know, I can't wear Vs because obviously my scales um, will show. But I certainly, I don't feel, look, I, I'm so grateful because I, no one has ever looked at me less um, with, the, with my boobs. Everyone like, yeah, and look, even with my nephews and stuff, I'll put my weddie on in front of them. I'll take my weddie off, um, you know, like Bowie the other night stayed and, I was having a shocking hot flush. So, you know, like I had to chuck Coven stuff in the bath and he came in the bathroom as he normally does and I do. I put on my wetsuit and take it off 
and they've seen my scars. Um, as Max. And yeah. As Max with it. Um, Max just used to say, oh, you've got the same chest as me. And I go, yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, so, but I don't think Max remembers me now with boobs. Okay. So I don't, I think it would be more Max to have a shock to see me with breasts. Yeah. Okay. So, and sometimes I've got this fake bra that we've made up that we're going to wear a dress and they're just pads that like we've bought and it would probably give me an A, I'd say. And even Max is like points at them and goes, why are you, you don't even have to wear that for? Why have you put in boobs today? Like, and I go, oh, because I just want to wear this dress and I thought it needed a bit of boobs. And he goes, oh, just take it off. You just look a bit funny. And I go, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no worries. So Nothing like the honesty of a yeah. 14-year-old boy. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. You know, bikini tops are obviously out of the question because I've got nothing to hold them down so they'll just ride up. Um, and, Yeah. If anyone from Roxy is like listening, if you could please just make well, anyone some swimwear is listening. or anyone. anyone. Is listening. Yeah, That's all right. Go. There's uh, a big gap in the market yeah. for making um, swimwear for Boobless bikinis. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I see strength and beauty in that photo and um, we're going we're gonna to keep moving on because we've yeah. still got a long way to go with this story. And, and I was just saying to you in our little break then that – you know, the power in that photo for me is, and I, you know, like, I don't know, I don't care what people think of me really, but I would rather look at a photo of power from a powerful woman like that than look at any sort of model shot or any sort of other thing that people put up. I would much rather. Um, and it reminded me of this picture that I saw um, of this person, this girl standing in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square at Red Square in China when there was, uh, a, you know, a rebellion or a riot, uh, not a rebellion, a, a, a demonstration against the communism. And she's standing there in front of these tanks and there's, it's all you can see is this line of tanks coming into Tiananmen Square and she's standing there facing them down. And I'm like, that's the same power that was in that photo. So I can't tell you how grateful I am just to have that on our screen to be able to display it and I hope that – Every person out there, male, female, whatever, can understand that 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 beauty is sometimes not in the physical, it's in the spiritual. Like it really is because physical body is beautiful and amazing and we get to enjoy it, but the spiritual being that has, is, the, is the being that has the most power. And, and like I said in the beginning of the podcast and we're probably into the second episode right now, um, that – Brooke will display who she is by this whole chapter, this whole thing that she's talking through. And if nothing ever displays uh, who someone is more than a photo like that, I don't know what, what what else we've got to do. So thank you. You're very welcome. I, I think too that, um, you know, the surgeon said to me a couple of times, oh, but you're so young you'll want your breasts back on. Yeah. You're so young you'll definitely want to get these these breasts. Um. You know, just because I'm a young woman doesn't mean that, like, you need breasts. And, and for people out there, like, you're faced with choices all the time and, and I get it. Some women will want their breasts straight back on but I don't know. I, I feel like one of my biggest tips to somebody who is just about to get their breasts removed is actually have that time, have that time to actually take them off first, um, adapt to that change that you, that a piece of your body is actually come off and that and whether that's cancerous 
um, and just love yourself. Mm. Love yourself without them. Love yourself without them. Love yourself that you're cancer-free um, because that's what you've just created. Um, and and just love that moment and then if you still feel like you need to put them on, um, then, you know, that that's everyone's choice. Some people just absolutely love them or they're doing it for their partners because they still feel like they're more attractive with them. But I just – and, you know, again, going back to my village, I I've just have never missed them. Yeah. And I still don't to this day. Yeah. And so e- either way, it's a complete, it's got to be that decision. Um, it's got to be that personal decision. I know yeah. that we spoke about Crystal and, and we had this moment yeah. the other day with her um, where I asked her how she felt about it. And she said, I just want a brook. Didn't want to, I didn't need a boobs. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful statement from a partner. However, it can be either way. It yeah, doesn't. Correct. It doesn't matter. But the most important thing is the personal decision that you made to love yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. That's the advice. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Wow. All right. So <laughs> I think we're like nearly three hours into this, <laughs> and we've gotten just to the end of like nine months. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so, good. so the next section is um, a radiation. We yeah. you have to go through radiation. So how's the body now? Like how long do you need oh, to recover? Oh, the body's like pretty recovered. Okay, cool. To be honest, my hair's starting to grow back. That surfing um, again. My, you know, I'm back surfing. We just um, – How's the finances? Went on a trip. The finances are depleting. Um, we're just about to to borrow um, about another $8,000 from my brother to do radiation because that's how much radiation costs. Okay. Um, which is daily treatments of driving to John Flynn – getting put under. So is that a borrow or is that a give? Um, it's probably a give in my in my brother's eyes. It's a give. But with me, it was always a borrow okay. and we kept track. Okay. Um, and, yeah, we we wanted to pay everyone back. Well, that speaks volumes of your brother. So 100%. He would, you know, like one day um, he said to me, he he just brought this house on on Jefferson Lane, and it was their dream house. And they were going to knock it down and build it, and and it took everything, right? Like it was their full dream to do this. Um, and he said to me, "I'll sell it tomorrow. Like I'll sell it tomorrow. Like David would have given up all their dreams just to financially support me, you know. Like, um, and that was probably you know my thing with Dad was." No regrets. His thing with dad was he had to promise to look after our girls. Yeah. So, and that he was, that's his own. He, was and he always has. Yeah. So, um, a beautiful character. Yeah. But yeah, so we head into radiation. Radiation is, is pretty much a, you know, you've got 16 weeks of radiation. Top you up. We're going to kill everything in this area. So, pretty much, it's a slow burn. It, by the end of it, all your skin's black. Yeah. Um, and peeled away and um, and that's what you're doing. Radiation was really easy for me, okay. to be honest. Everything else I'd gone through, radiation was like my taper session. Right. What swimmers and surfers would refer yeah. to as taper. Yeah. It's like the easiest bit before you start your competition, that's your taper. So, um, you know, the village was still there. We did it all together. Um, I'd go there, get zapped, go home. Um, but everything was growing back and... 
yeah, everything was coming back to life. I still couldn't work because I need to be at the hospital every day. Yeah. How are you earning? Like what's? Uh, Crystal was um, still working gym. Um, we were living um, in one of, in my brother's place, and by this stage we couldn't afford to pay rent anymore. So he was like, "It's okay." Hey, like that was the deal with him. You just pay rent till we, you can't afford it anymore. Um, so we weren't paying rent. People were gifting us the food boxes. Wow. Um, and the, the feeling, government, the... as Crystal's carer, um, we were getting six hundred and twenty dollars between the both of us. So me being sick, and her carer's pension. That's what we would get a fortnight: six hundred and twenty dollars. So we would live off three hundred and ten dollars a week. Um, How do you think people do this without oh, the village? I don't know. I, I know I've I've spoken to other cancer patients who they actually have called me out of the blue and said, "How did you do it?" And I said, um, "Firstly, we actually got given money from from cousins and my brother. We're in a very fortunate thing. I've I've seen people have to sell their houses. Um, you know, I look." There is a different option in the public health system. Like I was obviously a private health system and, and I was very lucky that some of my things were covered with chemo and the rest of it and my operation. But, yeah, I, just your day. And the whole idea, right, everyone says to you, what's the worst thing for cancer is stress. So everybody, the first thing everybody says, eliminate all your stress. Yeah, that's why I want to. That's why I wanted to keep asking you because I know how you much know? the financial pressure can bring stress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, even to take off my breasts was like eighteen thousand dollars. You know, that was just between the anesthetist and all that stuff. Like, like where do you get eighteen thousand dollars from? Mm. You know. So, I and look, I could go to public, but I. Didn't, like that would have, that process would have taken years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I do not know. But and there's look, everybody does amazing contributions and donations to like McGrath Foundation and the Breast Cancer Council, which is absolutely amazing. But all that money goes towards breast cancer nurses, which do a phenomenal job. Absolutely love them. I had one called Leslie. She was like the best. That's needed. Um, and research to stop breast cancer. Yeah. But where it doesn't go is to the people who actually have breast cancer right now to pay their rent or to put food on their table. Or the other thing is a, a lot of breast cancer patients, the husband still actually goes off and goes to work, right? But then you're left to be sick by yourself at home where you're calling on friends or whatever. Like, Well, you're alone. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, um, yeah. So radiation is over. Yeah. And you are on the mend. Yeah, on the mend. had you kicked it in your mind? Yep. It's done? Yeah, we were high-fiving. So about a year. We were having a party. About a year. Yeah, just over. Um, yeah, it had been all up. I. We were, yeah, we got to the point, it was about 14 months. We were like high-fiving, going, we've done it. So good. And then they just said there's one final step and that is that we want to take all your ovaries Ooh. and um, give you a hysterectomy. And I just said, yes, can I get stuff so I'm not doing it. Um, I just had enough. I'd had enough of getting poked and prodded. I just said, just give me a few months and then I'll. Um, what, what was the what, why? 
Because it wasn't in their original plan and they couldn't define to me why they wanted to do that. So it, my cancer wasn't there. You're telling me that I've done everything and I've beaten cancer and my cancer's not there. But their thing is is that it's my percentages of it, of getting ovarian or cancer of the uterus is really high because I had an estrogen positive cancer. So they just wanted to take it. And I was like, you know what? You've taken a bit of my soul. You've taken a bit of my heart. Um, you've taken my boobs. And do you know what? You can just back off for a little while. So I asked for three months, for three months to just nothing, for three months. And I had to to start like a estrogen um, stoppage thing, which is tablets and the rest of it. I was happy to do that. And then... I get a call out of the blue from a Dr. Walker who my oncologist has begged, who has rang him up and begged to call me. And he, our number one thing with all of our surgeons and oncologists and radiation and the rest of it, we always said, if I was your daughter, would you do this? And they would say to me, yes or no. And he rang me up and we had the exact same question. And he said, if you were my daughter, I would have done this last week. Like you're okay. pushing every single boundary. Yeah. I know you don't have cancer in there right now, but you need to, to do this. So at the end of the day, the chemo has killed your ovaries anyway. There's actually no function for them. You couldn't fall pregnant. Um, we wouldn't suggest you even falling pregnant. Um, no one will ever touch you with IVF because obviously I'm a same-sex relationship. Um, and if you leave this in... Like it's it's going to cancer us. Yeah. So, um, so, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not right now. And they were like, just come in and hear me out. So I went in, heard him out, and yeah, as soon as he said that, look, if you were my daughter, I would have had it done next week. I was like, okay, book me in. And two days later, I was in for a full hysterectomy. As if you hadn't already been through enough. Yeah, yeah. So probably, and not that like. We were at that stage thinking about another child or anything like that, but I was like, you've already taken so much. You know, like, do do we have to take this as well? Um, I felt like the race was already over and that I'd already won it and they'd said, oh, by the way, you've just got to, like, swim another 100 metres for us. You know, so um, – and I probably have my life back as well. You yeah. know, like, yeah. so, yeah, so I was what's like. It, what, so what's the recovery from that now? Um, <clears throat> chemo puts you into um, menopause anyway. Yeah. So all those menopausal symptoms, hot flushes, um, no period, um, all that stuff you get anyway in chemo. And my ovaries never came back after chemo, so right. I was already pre-menopausal. So once I did that, I just, yeah, I just, you know, having the um, – Menopause symptoms follow on from that. The hot flushes probably are the worst, but I was already experiencing that, so it wasn't anything new for me. So I was like, okay, you're done now. Is everyone done? So we'd have like this meeting. Just want to make sure everyone done because I want to go off. And as much as I love you all and I appreciate all of you, like Tazfakoba, you know, Nick Crampton, Dr Walker, all these people that – you know, we've we've done this. Thanks so much, but leave me alone. See ya. Yeah. You know. 
Thanks. Sounds very much like they had their village as well as your village. Like they, oh, it sounds correct. very much like they were a part of the village. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. As much as you didn't like getting prodded and proked, and all, they, they took it on. And, you know, it's it's funny the way people respond to the village. Like the oncologist who's Tazvakova, who is just such an amazing woman, um, you know, she's like a hugger, right? So she would hug my mum and hug all of us. So we all queue up to like hug her to go, thanks so much and you're the best and, you know, because she will be in my life forever. Dr Nick Crampton was very much a surgeon. So when my mum was like hugging him saying, and my brother was like hugging, like everyone just, as soon as he said the words, you are cancer free and we're all sitting in that office, everyone just jumped up and just went to like swallow this guy in this massive show of love and affection and he just stood there like this <laughs> right because a surgeon is like yeah. most of them uh, are so smart but they're very technical and yeah very te- yeah that's exactly right like yeah so probably bearing on you know a bit like of a spurgis oh my god like <laughs> so let's get let's get to that point look like we've done the hysterectomy and yeah. then when did you have that moment is that is that close that to that came at pretty much we're at two years yeah. and then like all the fresh tissues come back you've done everything you've had your scans yeah you've had your scans you've had your pet scans and so your you have this appointment and your blood at, tests yeah. and then yeah and then there's this moment and Max was allowed in this appointment so Max would have been seven yeah Max is just like you know what does that mean and we were like there's no more cancer in Mum's body like and he was like yeah but you 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 was gone because you chopped off your boobs. Right. You know, for him it had already gone. Yeah. Um, and he could see my hair growing back. So, yeah, but we were just, yeah, we were just so happy and, um, you know, mum was able to move back home. So Two years. Yeah, two years. Two years. Wow. So, and that was. So she'd been with you for two years. Yeah. Wow. And she'd go home on weekends. So Rossi had come pick her up on Friday, Arvo, and then bring her back on Monday morning. Yeah. To go to walk straight back into chemo. Yeah. So you, you have this family that I think everyone wants to be a part of. Oh yeah. Oh well, it's, I can't speak for everyone, you know, but I'll tell you yeah. what. Like, and that happened from very early from on. From Rossi to yeah. Robo to yeah, yeah. like to everyone. Yeah. Like yeah. even after high school, we were the house that everybody mum used to work part time in a bakery. Yeah. And after school everybody would come to our house because mum would like have all these finger buns and <laughs> leftover meat pies and like you know, we were the cool place where you put your surfboard there and let mum feed you all and then you go yeah. out surfing yeah. and yeah, so amazing. She's a special woman. So cancer free. Cancer free. Yes, you're going to have to do a little bit of like these tablets to stop your estrogen because we don't want that to come back. But go, live. Oh, wow. What uh, an incredible story. We're so far deep into this story right now. And next week will be the final part of the story. And we just want to inspire people if you're going through stuff, like see the importance of having a tribe, having people around you. You shouldn't be doing it alone. So whatever you're going through right now, if you've got no one, please reach out to us. We're happy to be a tribe for you at this present time. Let's get into next week's. Can't wait to deliver that one for you. And we're going to finish with this again the same way we started. Check your tits.